Welcome to the Summit Church Podcast. If you're looking for a church home, we want to invite you and your family to be a part with us every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information about Summit Church, you can visit YourSummitChurch.com. We believe that God wants to speak to you, and we pray that your life is encouraged and inspired through today's message. Hey, everybody. We're so glad you joined us today uh, for our Summit Church Bible study. You know, we love to preach and teach, and we have some excellent communicators here at Summit, but, you know, it's different than having a discussion. And so for these uh, podcasts and this uh, YouTube video, we, we really like to kind of create a discussion so you can jump right in here with us. Uh, so... Uh, if you want to communicate to us or talk to us, you can you can reach us at connect at yoursummitchurch.com. And, and honestly, if you have any kind of questions or comments that you would like for us to know that come out of this Bible study, we would love to hear that from you. So interact with it. Uh, listen, learn, develop, because we really want to get the word of God in us. You know, David said, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. He said, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. We know that we're blessed when we meditate on the word of God. So let's just, let's just be those people. Let, let's just be those people who are digging into the word. You know, we're going to look at first Peter and uh, we're going to actually look at both of these as we go through in the next few, uh, uh, sessions that we do. But uh, I wanted to look at it because it really is an indicator of how we are supposed to be in Christ. I think that we have uh, maybe possibly gotten a little bit lazy about our Christianity in our world today. And what I mean by that is we have settled for merely the beginnings of doctrine, the beginnings of theology. What Jesus intended has is fully more than what we're experiencing. And so uh, I think I think we make mistakes. And, we, and what we find here when we look at Peter and how he so excellent, excellently spells out what it means to be a Christian, what it means to uh, uh, act on our Christianity, how to make the Word of God applicable to our lives, uh, he, he almost... Uh, it is almost in opposition to how we look at things. I mean, he shows us that Christianity is more than just being a cultural Christian. In other words, just going through the motions of Christianity by religious uh, exercise. Um, he shows us that being a Christian is more than just saying, hey, I asked God to come into my life. So, uh, you know, he's given me his grace. So whatever I do now is just God's okay with that. And uh, it doesn't take into context growth and maturity and development and to become what God, you know, called us to become. And so, you know, Romans chapter 8 verse 29 says, those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his dear son. That is what we're supposed to be doing. And so we can never go, hey, it don't matter. Life is just what it is. If I, you know, if I live a lifestyle of sin, it's all good. Well, that's not being conformed in the image of Christ. Yeah. So we definitely can't live that way. Well, I thought Christ covers our sins. Well, sure, there is a, in a sense, a covering of our sin where Jesus blots it out so it can't be viewed by God. And that's why we can have a relationship with God. But the truth is that was never a license to sin. The very person who wrote in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20, that we're not saved by works, that we would boast that we saved ourselves, but we're saved by grace through faith. The very next verse, he right. said, we were saved unto good works. Yeah. So we got to get past this point of just lazy immature Christianity that doesn't take into account the doctrine of following Christ, not just saying I'm a Christian, yeah. but literally being a disciple of Christ, a disciplined 
learner, a disciplined student. So today we're going to have this discussion. I've got with me Scotty Haynes, a pastor on our staff who oversees our adult ministries and local outreaches. I've got uh, Connor uh, uh Connor Mason, I'm sorry, my mind went blank for a second. Connor Mason. Uh, Mason, Connor Mason. <laughs> oversees, oversees our uh, uh, worship and creative. Uh, and then we have uh, Pastor Danny with us, who is our youth and kids and uh, global outreach uh, lead. What's and Danny's so, last name? Danielle Hubbard. Hubbard. She's, Hubbard. she's a newlywed. Yeah. And uh, she's, she just keeps getting so excited about saying, my husband, me and my husband. Yeah. So every time we're kind of tolerating it. Yeah. She <laughs> slings her hair back and says, my husband said. So she's very excited about it. And we're excited for her and Troy so much. So, Danny, why don't you read uh, 1 Peter there, uh, chapter 1 and 2, and then we'll have a discussion. Cool. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for the sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. So here, I always like to, if we're going to discuss the scripture, I always like to get it in its cultural context. Mm. Because I think a lot of times we can misappropriate scripture and we can misinterpret it and uh, our, our, um, our interpretation can be skewed because we try to directly apply it to ourselves without first understanding its context. So who was, who was talking? Well, the Apostle Peter was talking. So here you have the head of the church, basically, mm-hmm. the leader, the apostle that kind of started it all in terms of... Uh, you know, the day of Pentecost happened, the Holy Spirit came, the, the church was empowered, Peter was out in front preaching the gospel. Very interesting that Peter was out in front considering he was the one who denied Christ. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that just shows you what God can do in your life in the power of grace, not just right. to save us, uh, but to empower us to become yeah. everything. Yeah. You know, people lose the understanding that grace means divine enablement right. or mm-hmm. empowerment. It doesn't just mean a covering for our mm-hmm. sin. Yeah. It means that power which gives us the ability to overcome sin. Mm-hmm. So we'll come back to that in just a moment. I like to take the context of a scripture too because we have a hard time relating to people uh, in the Bible. We look at people in the Bible almost as if they're fairy tales, almost as if they're heavenly in some way. Surely they didn't have jobs like we do, and they didn't have family problems like we do, and they didn't have distractions like we do, so mm-hmm. on and so forth. But think about the history and when this was all happening. And, right. And uh, so you see that Paul was writing, I mean, Peter was writing the letter, and he was writing it to the churches or the believers, the diaspora is what it calls it. Uh, that That is the people who were scattered abroad into these different cities and places because of persecution. Mm. So the thing that would happen in the New Testament church when it was born is that if the religious establishment came against it or a political establishment came against it, they would persecute them simply for, you know, um, uh, preaching the kingdom, preaching Christ. And the reason was, is because, I mean, if you're talking about a kingdom and you're saying this kingdom is going to reign, well, governmentally, that would mean, hey, what's happened? Is this a revolution? So that would be why there would be political opposition. And then uh, 
religiously, there was a real power structure that had been developed through the religious uh, establishment of the Jewish community and world and nation. So they had power and they didn't want to lose it. And when they heard talk of mm-hmm. a, the Messiah mm-hmm. or the kingdom of God, they're like, hold on, wait a minute. So that's why they would right. have opposition. So persecution then would come and the attempt was to stop the spread of the gospel because they saw the spread of the gospel as the antithesis to what they believed Mm -hmm. because they believed the Messiah was still to come. They didn't accept Jesus Mm -hmm. as the Messiah. Mm -hmm. So they would persecute, throw in jail, um, you know, ridicule, uh, all of these kinds of things, the people of God. And then, uh, so, so they would scatter and, and, and what it did was instead of stopping the spread of the gospel, it exponentially grew the spread of the gospel. Yeah. And here's why. Because the New Testament church, even though they were just like us, they had jobs, they had families, but the difference between them and us, unfortunately, is their relationship with God and the establishment and manifestation of his church through them was literally, literally everything to them. Mm-hmm. And they were being persecuted for it. So what they did is they just moved. Yeah. I mean, think yeah. about that. What if the government of Canyon, which we have a great city government <laughs> here, our mayor goes to our church, that's always great. But, um, you know, what if they literally said, w- if you continue to preach the gospel, we're going we're gonna to put you in jail. Right. And, and, or we're going to persecute you, or we're going to beat you, or we're going to you know, uh, you know, martyr you, which was what was happening to mm-hmm. them. What would we do? And, and, and I hope what we would do is do whatever we had to do to keep the mm-hmm. gospel moving forward right. so that generation after generation, the gospel would exist. So what they did is they moved. Mm-hmm. If they could safely stay where they were, they would. If they couldn't, they'd move to other communities. And what did they do? They set up churches. They preached the gospel. They healed the sick. They raised the dead. They saw unbelievable things happen as a result of the power of the Holy Spirit being manifest in their willingness and commitment to put God first. Mm -hmm. How do y'all feel about that in the context of being a Christian today and, uh, and... how do we get to that place where truly it means everything mm-hmm. to us? I mean, what they have the benefit of is actually being in a situation where they're forced into it. And I don't know, I don't know if we can really get there until we're forced into it, but I know we can, you know, I, I really don't know the answer. Um, one thing I've been doing, starting to do, is like pray for people who are in this situation and that what they have would get on me. Um, because they're, I mean, what do you mean by that? What I mean by that is, is um, you don't know God's all you need until God's all you have. And we have everything at our disposal in this nation. And so... There, in different places around the world, they have to either trust in God or they don't trust in God. Yeah. It's very black and white here. So gray. I mean, you can do whatever you want. Especially it's, in our part of the country right. where yeah. we're, we're, we're in the buckle of the Bible Belt. And, right. And it seems like everybody has had some kind of exposure yeah. to Christianity. And so, yeah. you know, one thing I think we can do is when we pick up the Bible, when we encounter God, treat it 
um, with honor and with reverence as if we've never heard it before. Like this is, I'm still learning, I'm brand new to this, I'm not an expert, and God changed things in me, and don't let me become familiar with Jesus like he is some, you know, just like some cowboy rancher that I know down the road. Yeah. Like he's he's my God. And so I think really putting him in his proper place mentally and asking him to, to get us there um, is where I would start with it. How unfortunate it would be that we would have to come to a place of persecution, like true persecution. Some people try to claim that we're suffering persecution right now, truly don't understand what it means. But yeah. uh, but how sad that would be. And I really don't think it has to go there. I mean, it could go there. Mm-hmm. I mean, ultimately it is gonna go there. I mean, towards the end of times, Christians are gonna be looked at as the enemy, obviously, but right. yeah. it's not there now. and. And to me, it would be so unfortunate that we would have to face that kind of trial before we would go, um, man, I'm going to give it my all. And my question is kind of a hard question, and that is, do we really believe that people who would not live full on for God in a blessed situation like we are now, if they were faced with true persecution, would they continue to follow Christ and stand for who he is, or would they find it easier to go? Um, I'm gonna bow yeah, out. Yeah, I'm gonna bow out and just so my family's safe. You know, I hear people say, you know, and I and I'm gonna say this. It's gonna sound extreme in our culture, but the truth is, this happens all over the place. It'd be one thing. What if you weren't faced with you losing your life, but you were faced with your family mm-hmm. being executed? What do you do then? Right. Well, there's only one thing to do. The problem is, I don't think we have an eternal perspective anymore. Because if you're faced with that situation, mm-hmm. eternity is everything. Yeah. Right. And I've just been, God has dropped a, th- a thought in my spirit that lately, just lately, and that is this, life is too short and eternity is too long yes. not to be completely <clears throat> enamored with God. Mm-hmm. And I think if we're going to face any kind of minimal persecution or any kind of, even a fight spiritually against distraction in the yeah. world, we got to get an eternal perspective again. How do you guys feel about that? Yeah. Yeah, I'm just thinking, you know, there's there was such a uh, a focus and a foundation like for the disciples, mm-hmm. particularly, because they spent this concentrated time, even though they had other things, but they, they went away and spent this concentrated time with Jesus. Yeah, three and a half years. Yeah, mm-hmm. and just like, I mean, and they still, I mean, yeah. we see Peter, he still had a moment yeah. of falling away, but he came back, as we know, and repented. But there was such... Uh, concentration and focus right off the bat and i and and just especially in western culture we have so many things vying for our attention yes so even i truly believe and i don't i think this is a lot of our fault as churches Mm -hmm. i don't know if we do a good enough job of creating culture right off the bat of that this time of true focus. Let's build yeah. your foundation right off the bat. Yeah. Because we know what happens is a lot of people make a decision for Christ, some of which is maybe surface level, not really right. submitting to him as Lord. Right. Mm-hmm. And we, and so I, I think at times it's hard for us to help them come to a place of like this, you got to be rooted in this and then let that start your lifestyle of, can't live a day without being in the word, being in, right. being in prayer, being around other believers. 
not that not that you know thank god for his grace that when we have some mess ups yeah. we are covered mm, not yes. that his grace allows us to just go do whatever we want right and so when you say how do we get to that place that's what was hitting me is like we can't ever live without him. Like we're, right. it, we have to be it. We it's like it's like when you want to get in shape. Like for me, I'm all I gotta go all in, or yeah. I like go about three days and then yeah. back eating, you know, yeah. cheeseburger. Yeah, and um, and I, I feel like sometimes in our with new converts, uh, we start out on a journey of what's easiest for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just raise your hand and I mean I'm not I'm not right. it is it is not in our work so that we can boast. We understand right. that. That's for salvation That's and for the salvation. acceptance, right. but the growth in Christ yeah. is work right. and it is a dedication I think sometimes we don't start out with. You know, uh I think it's a very interesting concept you bring up because we do fail a lot of the time in the discipleship. Mm-hmm. Actually developing uh disciplined followers mm-hmm. yeah that's what a disciple is and we're all supposed to be disciples yeah. and i think we do have a problem with that because we try to program it instead of come at it from a relational context how did jesus train them relationally but you said something very interesting you know they were going to obviously be occupational ministers they were called to do that and do that alone right because they all became apostles and they all led a number of churches and even the ones you don't read about or didn't write part of the Bible you don't hear about, that's what they were doing. They were leading communities of churches and taking special messages to those people and preaching the word and sharing the love of God and all of that kind of thing. But but I think it leads us to a, a thought that we need to have. You know, Jesus came to them and and, and here's what he said. He said, follow me. Mm-hmm. Well, I used to think, oh my God, what... How did he just come up and say those two words and then guys just said, all right, I'm going to give my next Mm -hmm. three years to you. Mm -hmm. But you have to understand Jewish culture a little bit that if a rabbi did that, number one, a rabbi normally wouldn't take guys that old. Uh, Kids started started out real young. And if you were chosen by a rabbi to study under them, like you hear Paul write about how he studied under Gamaliel, Mm -hmm. a rabbi chose you, that was the biggest deal and for these guys to be chosen they were not the kind of people that you would think that he would choose Mm -hmm. it was a special thing and when a rabbi came and said follow me it was literally like the greatest honor Mm -hmm. and you would go follow them and the and the whole process of rabbi to talmudim or disciple was the process of you becoming them not not you follow their teachings but you become a duplicate of them so when jesus came to them and said follow me they knew what that meant Mm -hmm. i'm about to give years of my life to this process of change that's why you know peter and james and john and andrew just dropped their nets their business They left their business to their dad. I'm sure their dad really appreciated it. (laughs) But they were like, we're following. Mm -hmm. So is there, and of course, there is a difference between someone's called occupationally and someone who's not. But the truth is the basis of Christianity or discipleship, which, you know, we really shouldn't use the word Christianity as much as we do followers of Christ because we really are followers or Mm -hmm. disciples of Christ more than we are 
Christians. Christian was a term that was used by the Romans to basically be uh, insulting yeah, to negative, Christians. Negative right? and, and so, and now it's become a cultural term, just like yeah. you would say Muslim or Buddhist Christian, mm-hmm. right? So we have to, I'm not trying to be legalistic and say we have to make that, right. di- di- distinguish uh, that in our terminology. I'm just saying for our understanding, our role is to do that. So here's the question then. Are we as Christians to change what Connor talked about of this distractedness, this options, this everything at our disposal? Danny, do you think that there's going to have that if the church to become what it needs to become, there's going to have to be a moment where Christians Mm -hmm. like just just people who are followers of Christ, not not occupational ministers are going to have to say at some point. I mean, in what ways are we going to be able to go? I'm going to intentionally be attentive in a prioritized way to Christ. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to have to change some things about what's Mm -hmm. distracting me for us to really go to the place that God wants us to go. Because sometimes I'm going to be honest, I'm not sure God recognizes the church when he looks at it Yeah. today. So Mm -hmm. Danny, what do you think about that idea of our focus I think we have to be willing to get uncomfortable and like get in a different space. Like my mind goes straight to going overseas because that's been my experience. Like when I was in America, even coming back home after being gone for a year, um, coming back home was so hard because it's like you're, you're in this totally different environment, totally different space where you are so focused and Mm -hmm. so intentional. And it's like, the whole goal and mission of, of the whole year. And then you come home and it's like, nobody's in that space. And so you have to create it for yourself and like stay focused on it yourself because no one else around you cares what you're doing. You know, like they're not creating this space for you. So, but is that the intensity that we're going to follow Christ with? Is that is that really it? I mean, right. I can hear people in my mind saying, I can't live my life like a missionary. That's right. not possible. But right. I don't think that's what you're saying. No. What are you saying? Just at home, like, I think you have to wake up each day and ask the Lord, like, Lord, what do you have for me today? Like, yeah. what kingdom are you trying to uncover today that I can partner mm. with you in? Yeah. Like who is who are you placing in front of me that I can minister to, that I can um show your kindness to, that I can show your mercy to, that I can mm. show your character to. Yeah. And just being intentional with your everyday is a step right. towards that. Well, because honestly, if you do that, that's gonna become sacrificial. Right. Because God I have this saying and I really believe it, no great thing has ever happened in a comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Yeah. Right. No great thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just think as Christians, I'm, I'm not trying to be a martyr. No. I'm not. I don't want to. I don't want to be killed. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think that as Christians, we might try a little discomfort. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, we might go. I think a lot of us struggle with spiritual growth because we're trying to hold on to this way of yeah. being. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you've experienced that kind of this last two years in planting a church. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of your life was a total sacrifice for those two years. Anybody who plants a church, that's that's the way it is. How do you deal with that discomfort? 
And is that really what it takes to be that kind of follower of Christ that that is really going to bring revival? I mm-hmm. think I think we've cheapened revival to I'm going to pray mm-hmm. and really pray and God ask God for revival and God's going to blow everything up. Mm-hmm. But if God really did that, our life would change yes. mm-hmm. or revival would go. <clears throat> and are we willing for our life to change? That's the, that's the point I'm getting at is yeah. what does it take really to be that kind of Christian, that kind mm-hmm. of follower of Christ mm-hmm. that is that the destiny and purpose of God is being manifest in your yeah. life? Mm-hmm. Are we willing to be uncomfortable? What was that like mm-hmm. for you and the church planning? Well, I was even thinking too, as Danny was talking about uh, the when you're in these these moments of uh, the the concentration, the focus, mm-hmm. and you know all the things when you go on a mission trip, all the things that you're like normal every day that's so important, mm-hmm. well, those all get put on hold, and right. you go and you have that that time. And so when you when you come back, uh, obviously you kind of enter back into your your life. But it, it kind of reminds me of. Uh, you know, you're, you just got married. Mm-hmm. And so my son just got married. And when you first start that, that dating process or you meet somebody you, in that moment, you don't, you, you're not always thinking like, okay, we're going to get married tomorrow or whatever. I think you guys Unless waited. Unless you're least, us. Yeah, yeah. I think you guys waited like a week, Definitely. a week or something. <laughs> but when you start spending time with that person, you, you realize how important this relationship is now. Mm -hmm. So because of that revelation, it becomes elevated, right? Mm. Right. You might have thought you were the busiest person in the world. Right. But when you see how much you care for them and that, and you have the revelation of how important they are, everything else becomes secondary and less important. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I believe what has to happen is that you, we have to come to a place where it doesn't mean you have to get rid of all other things, but Everything, Jesus becomes so important that everything else in my life should center around Jesus. Mm -hmm. Everything else should center around Jesus. And if it's a distraction, then it should drop. And then that relationship becomes so important that you say, okay, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to continue to draw close to you you and do your will, even if it seems Mm -hmm. sacrificial. Mm -hmm. But we, if we're honest, we live in a culture where we think we have rights. Yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. I have the right to be happy. Yeah. I have the right to do this. Mm-hmm. I have the right to have my kids in 20 sports, which I'm not knocking on anybody. Yeah. I'm just saying, but then, but if there has to come a point where some things go to the side, mm-hmm. if we're going to do what Jesus has asked us to do. And I, and I think, you know, for, for church planning in particular, um, we just truly felt like we've tried to live kingdom first yeah. and with everything with, you yeah. know, what, our house should be used for small groups, if so be it, or counseling or instructing people. Our cars should be used to take people to church when our kids were growing up. You know, our, our we should give and tithe and offering. Everything should be centered around that. So when we felt that God was asking us to plant, mm-hmm. we thought, I mean, now I didn't know everything it would entail. Yeah. But we knew there would have to be change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And because we had had the revelation that what we feel the church is still how God moves through the earth. Yeah, it is that important. Uh, church planning is that important. New churches is that important that we are willing because of that revelation to allow some of the other things we become comfortable with mm-hmm. to be aside. Yeah. We just didn't know it'd be you know two or three years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's the revelation. Right. It of, is. Yeah. And, you know, I love what you said about the kingdom of God 
there because I think what we're struggling with as followers of Christ a lot, and even myself, um, is the difference between being a citizen of the United States and a citizen of the kingdom yeah. of heaven. Yeah, sure. Um, the thing you said about rights, you know, we're always claiming our rights, but when we make Jesus the Lord yeah. and Savior, we, we like that Savior part, but there's a Lord part yes. there. And that doesn't mean Jesus is this mean dictator of a person. It right. means that he should have mastery over That's our good. lives. Mm-hmm. The Bible says whatever masters you is your, is your owner. And Jesus should be the only thing that masters us in life. He is our master. Mm -hmm. He is our Lord. And so when we're talking about, I want this and I want that, and I have a right to this and I have a right to that, it truly reveals that we are not, we are considering our citizenship on this earth, but we're not considering our citizenship of heaven Mm -hmm. where we lay down our rights Mm -hmm. for the benefit of others, for the benefit of the kingdom, for the benefit of moving the kingdom forward. And the kingdom purpose being fulfilled, and uh, I just think it's very interesting, Connor. How do you how do you feel about that concept, and how do we walk in that? Because I think it's one thing to say, "Yeah, I get it." I think it's another thing to daily, mm-hmm. like Danny was saying, literally. I mean, the Apostle Paul. We 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 put the Apostle Paul up on this pedestal of he was the man, two thirds of the mm-hmm. New Testament. He was changed so thoroughly. His his regeneration, <laughs> his born again experience is, is no different than ours. No, he was so conflicted. Yeah, and yeah. every day yeah. he said, "Daily I die." Yeah. Right, daily I die to myself. That's right, I die to my Cru- flesh. How many times did Paul say, "Crucify yeah. the flesh mm-hmm. and the lust thereof"? He was saying to himself, I mean, God had to even tell him when he was kept asking God, change this, change this, change this. We don't know what his thorn in the flesh was, but change this, change this, change this. And God said, my, my grace is sufficient for you. He struggled mm-hmm. yeah. with this. God owns my life. Yeah. But he wrote something so interesting. He said, I was bought with a price. Yeah. My life is not my own. My own. Yeah. Wow, that goes against, man, it makes my back bow up. Yeah. I mean, when you say that word, we've been trained so thoroughly to own ourselves yeah. and to be independent. And I always like to say that in a relationship with God, uh, Connor, we it's not like human. Like in our human relationships, we want our kids to grow up and to be independent. Maturity yeah. is evaluated on the basis of independence. And then we want them to become interdependent where they get along with other people. I don't want my kids to live with me at 40 and (laughs) still (laughs) expect me to take care of them at 40 and their family. I I would rather they be mature. I would be more proud of that. That's human. Mm -hmm. But in our relationship with God, I think true maturity is evidenced by dependence. Yeah, that's total. Totally depend. I know I cannot do this on yeah. my own. I, I have gifts. I have abilities. Mm-hmm. But even my gifts and abilities, where'd they come from? Yeah. God. Mm-hmm. So, Connor, how do we do it, man? How do we get to that place where we are intentionally living full on? Like that. I mean, it's just, a, to me, it's a reiteration of what we've said. It's just like a daily, it's a daily decision, like Paul said, to die to ourselves. But it's so funny because we're talking about being uncomfortable and a lot of things God requires of us, our father requires of us can be uncomfortable to us, but that's the place in which we're most fulfilled. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah, this it paradox of 
you want me to be in the world, I'm supposed to be mature by yeah. being independent. Yeah. But to you, I'm supposed to be dependent. Yeah. Yeah. And it's this, it's so funny, it really makes me laugh. And it, it, uh, it's just amazing that God, it's um, the providence and the sovereignty and just the oversight that God gives to us when we really lean into him that way. It's just amazing. And as we sit here and talk about it, I hope that people that are listening to this, that faith is built, that when we lean upon God and we really depend on him and choose to take this on, it's not a weight. No, it's, it's light. My yoke is easy. My burden is And yeah. it's fun, and it's yeah. the greatest adventure you could take. And I think kind of like what Scotty was saying, when we preach from our pulpits at the beginning when people get saved and we pitch salvation uh, like this get-out-of-jail-free card and however you want to spin it. Man, this is like a commitment. This is a real thing that we're doing. Yeah, how many preachers do we hear today go, man, all it takes is just, if you, we're not saying read, pray for an hour or read right. your Bible for an hour. <laughs> yeah. We're saying, now we'll go t- to any lengths to do other things and we, yeah. we have no problem, you know, go work out for an hour, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever. But for some reason, we're trying to tell people just 10 minutes a day. Yeah. yeah. Just do 10 minutes. I mean, I wonder what God's thinking when his representatives are going to people. Hey, the way you grow is to do as, le- as little as possible. And I think when we do that, <laughs> yeah. it's our fault. We're starting yeah. people out and they're thinking, man, this is going to work out just because I said this one prayer and I don't right. have to worry about anything else. Right. Yeah. And man, it's so cheap. It's such a cheap faith yeah. we preach sometimes when it's like, when I give myself to something fully, that's when I reap the most benefits out of it. It's just yeah. like with working out or anything we've talked about. Yeah. And I think if we give ourselves fully daily, we're going to reap the full sacrifice of that. Yeah. Treating this like an investment, which is what a kingdom-minded person does. They make investment yeah. of their life, and they reap an amazing harvest. You put a seed in the ground, the seed dies, die to ourself, yeah. and it brings yeah. forth life. Mm-hmm. But we're treating a lot of times Christianity like a lottery. Yeah. I make a very minimal investment yeah. and get a and lot. get back millions. Right. And and it's it's more of a luck mindset right. than it is a, a a a destiny mindset. Let me mm-hmm. let me say this. We preached a message to go along with what we were talking about. We preached a series called The Other Side of Sacrifice. Uh, a while and uh, the reason a lot of times people struggle those of you who are studying with us today Lisa a lot of times we struggle with that total commitment lifestyle that sacrificial lifestyle because we cannot see the other side of sacrifice yeah but we really can if we stop and look think about it if we go through the word and read those people couldn't see the other side of sacrifice. This is what faith is all about. In other words, God, this is a sac- you're asking me to you're asking me to sacrifice my son. And God really wasn't asking that. He was testing him because when he started to do it, God said, Hey, don't touch yeah. your son. So the the truth is, if we could see what's going to happen as a result of the sacrifice we make, we would readily, quickly do it with total submission and surrender yeah. mm-hmm. because we know the result is going to be something positive and powerful for the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. I, I read it in my devotion today, something I've never had this thought before. I, I've, I've, I've looked over it a million times. But you remember the story in, uh, I think it's John chapter 11, the story of Lazarus dying. Mm-hmm. Jesus stayed. He could have come back home, but he stayed and he let Lazarus be in the grave for four days. And I've heard that the culture, the Jewish culture says after three days, the spirit goes on yeah. and leaves the body. So he waited four days just to show 
regardless. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I can do this. I, I'm a miracle worker. But I think it's interesting. So here's Jesus. Mary runs out. Martha runs out. And they say, oh, if you had only been here, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't be dead and in the grave. And then and Jesus says, well, did, haven't I told you that I'm the resurrection and the life? Oh, I know, Jesus, that when the resurrection comes, all will be. No, I'm the resurrection and the life. Mm-hmm. And he that believes on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. He says all this. She seems to accept it. Then they get up to the tomb and he says, move the stone away. And Martha says, don't move the stone because the stench of death Mm. is on him. He stinks already. He's already decaying. Mm -hmm. Now, think about that. She was about to miss the miracle of resurrection over her discomfort. Yeah. Of a smell. Smell. Of a smell. Yeah. This is going to be awkward and uncomfortable. And you know what I found to be true in my life? Almost everything God has asked me to do felt awkward and uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but on the other side of obedience, yeah. Yeah. has always listen. I don't know who needs yeah. to hear that today. I just feel that in my spirit deep. I don't need. I don't know. God's asking you to do something, and your first feeling is, "God, that is awkward." They're going to mm-hmm. think I'm stranger if I say that, or if I do that. Somebody's going to think I'm a weirdo, or 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 that's a risk, or that's that's going to be hard. I'm going to have to sacrifice. There's always, always when someone God supernatural asks of us, someone, us, human, natural, Mm -hmm. to do something, there's always going to be that component of, this is awkward. Right. This is strange. It's counter to the culture. It almost seems counterintuitive. It's obviously counterintuitive to walk around walls that can't be penetrated in war Mm -hmm. to win a battle. That's counterintuitive. That makes no sense. It's awkward. It's uncomfortable. But it produces yeah. mm-hmm. every single time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how how do we get to that place where we go? I'm just, I'm just gonna believe it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna believe it. I'm and I'm just gonna do it. Yeah. How do y'all feel about that? There's one thing oh, I want to. I mean, I, I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you, <laughs> but I'm so stirred up about that. It because it stunk. Yeah. Don't open that. It's gonna stink. Mm-hmm. And Jesus was about to raise that brother yeah. from the dead. Mm-hmm. Our five senses get us in trouble. <laughs> we trade what we can see, what we hear of course, right yeah. now. That and most so everything true. that God does, we don't see it. Yeah. Yeah. And man, I mean, that's convicting and it just and it's a challenge to our faith. Yeah, mm-hmm. and right, it stirs up faith. But go yeah. ahead then. I was just going to say, I wanted it, to no, I'm just teasing. <laughs> Man, uh, there was just one thing I wanted to add to kind of go back a little bit. When you are talking about independence and dependence, I just remembered that it's either the Hebrew or the Greek word for independence means rebel. Oh, wow. And I think that's so, like... When we want to be, and I find it in myself because I used to be very, I'm still pretty independent, but I used to be very, very independent. Mm -hmm. And I can tell like Mm -hmm. in my life, in the course of my life, like when I'm being more independent, it's when I'm rebelling against God and what he's wanting me to do. Right. That's good. So good. And I think that, you know, like just be dependent on him. And when you put your full trust and dependence on him, Mm -hmm. then you have nothing to worry about. Right. When when he has something in front of you. you I, know? Think, I, think this is a, I think this is a relevance problem mm-hmm. too. Like 
uh, again, the way we relate to kingdom thinking instead of, you know, citizenship. And here's what I mean by that is we have a skepticism in us uh, to authority. It, yeah, of course. It, especially in a Western world, it's almost bred into. It started you. from the very beginning. Right, exactly. Yeah. Well, it did. Yeah. It did. Yeah. yeah. But but even in the Western world, the independence, yeah. the independent spirit of. I hate being told what. To yeah, do. exactly. I don't need. I can pull myself up. I don't need. Just joking. Yeah. Yeah. But, being told uh, I can't do something. Right. Yes. But oh, it makes you want to do it. Yeah. yeah. But Absolutely. Here's, but here's the deal. There's some good positive things to to independence in a in a in a in a uh, physical way. Right. But I think the reason we have a hard time submitting to kingdom purpose yeah. and total submission and total um, dependence or reliance is because we compare God in his sovereignty, his kingship to humans. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That we've seen we've seen people in business authority or in ministry authority or in political authority lie and deceive they and manipulate and take advantage of yeah. of your trusting of them. Right. And so I think when it comes to spiritual things and somehow we project mm-hmm. those feelings of skepticism and doubt onto God. Yeah. But the thing that makes it easy to submit to God is when we get that revelation right. that God loves us and God's perfect. Yeah. There's no flaw perfect in him. Perfect father. Yeah, yeah. There is no corruption in him. There is no flaw in him. There's no there is no lack of credibility or integrity. Yeah. Yeah. He is complete. He is whole. He can't even fall he can't lie he can't lie he's not a man that he should lie lie. so it i think if we could get to that revelation of Mm -hmm. i can truly trust i that's why i love that worship song we're doing i want us to do it as many times (laughs) as possible because that that phrase that declaration at the end it says your way is better your way is oh if we could just get that yeah. in our head, God's way is better. I think cerebrally we know that. Right. I think in our minds we know God's way is better. Yeah. But our will gets in the way and says, I think my way is better. Yeah. And why? Yeah. Because I'm more comfortable with my way. Yeah. And you can cre- uh, create your own scenario and create your own surroundings. And you have control. Yeah, your own narrative. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. it, Scotty. Come on. Yeah. Control. We like to control things, don't we? Eve wanted to control. Yeah. You know, I was thinking when you were talking about how do we get to the place of, um, yeah, you said it, God, so I, I trust you and I do it. And I was thinking it's such a journey. And I, and I honestly don't have as a bigger problem as saying, like, uh, encouraging people to be 10 minutes in the Word, 10 minutes here, if that's the, the if that's your base, not your not your right. max, yeah. right? You know, so I don't have a problem saying, "Hey, start out with that, but let yeah. it grow into yeah. something," because I think I think that's what we saw Jesus do. Yeah. He he had the disciples follow him, mm-hmm. and all along that journey, he would ask them to do small things. Yeah, he would. And then as they obeyed in the small things, what well, we t- says, but God tells us for faithful right. the small things, we'll have the large things. And yeah. and as they would see that, uh, they would see his faithfulness. Yeah. The trust would grow right. like it does with any of right. us. And you know, I was even thinking of of Peter, if Jesus would have said follow me, and Peter would have followed him, and then two days later said, "Now I want you to be hung upside down on a cross for me," right. Peter would have stopped following. He him. would have stopped following. He he didn't <laughs> yeah. even even after right. Jesus died on the cross, he he denied he him, denied him right. when just asked about it. Right. Yeah. 
But later in his life, we know he was willing to do that. Why? Because step by step by step by step. You know, Chris Hodges says, if we don't have any shallow end, how do people even get in? Right. And I think, I think we need to be careful to, when we ask people to do smaller things, not to make that the, the only thing, or that you're not meant to stay there, even with tithing. Yeah. You know, sometimes people so nervous about tithing. And I've even heard people say, well, that's an Old Testament principle, whatever. Yeah. We, that's not what we're talking about today. Yeah. And I'm like, it, yeah, it kind of is because New Testament would be that's that's the very smallest thing you do. Jesus right. said, give everything. Yeah. And so I even yeah. with tithing, I like to say, well, let that be your the bottom where you start. Yeah. And even with salvation, right. which sounds crazy to people, salvation isn't the... End. The end, it's, it's the, the beginning. beginning of right. life. Right. And so let it grow. That's how right. I feel like yeah. be that consistent. You're going to see, oh, God yeah. is faithful when you grow. Yeah. And you, yeah. And you let's, know. yeah, let's let's clarify that because the truth is we love steps. I mean, yeah. our yeah. whole vision last year was take that next step. Yeah. And I agree with what you're saying because we need building blocks. But what we don't want to do is send a message of non-committal. Yeah, that's the ceiling. You just yeah. do this yeah. and get by. Hey, all yeah. it takes yeah. is... I agree. When we have that mentality of that's all it takes or do the lowest common denominator. Yeah. It's like, it's like really? Because even though he did take steps with Peter and James and, yeah. John and all the disciples, he said, follow me with the intention of them dropping everything. Yeah. Starting out and following surrender. Them. Right. Like, and boom, you hit the, that's a great starting out. If we can just get people to just surrender. Yeah. God's way is better. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, really, just give in to that. Like, why do we fight that? Mm-hmm. How many times yeah. do we have to see? I mean, honestly, how many times do we have to see? God has shown me so many times how much better mm-hmm. he yeah. can do things. Yeah. Yet still, yeah. there are moments where I'm like arguing with, Man. well, what about this, God? And why, why shouldn't we do that? And I'm like... God, I, he that, that's why the Bible says he's patient and long suffering. Because oh, yeah. you good. know he wants to go. Are you flipping yeah. kidding me? I mean, how, I've done miracles for you. I yeah. resurrected a child from the dead for you. Yeah, My, that's what God did for me, Scotty Taylor Taylor uh, Mason, who is his wife, that teaches over at that school across the street, who is an excellent at everything she does and has led worship for years, was born dead. And God resurrected her from life, Come on. from the dead. And then I'm going to argue. <laughs> yeah. yeah, your way is better. Yeah. <laughs> we are. We're just, I, I remember being a youth. I was a young youth pastor, and I didn't know everything by any means, but I had done already quite a bit. And I remember we had this young guy that was our. He'd helped. He'd do anything, and he would every once in a while. I would I would have thought through something. Not that I'm never wrong, but I would usually be know what I was doing mm-hmm. and he would I remember he would question me and he'd be like I don't really think that's the way we should do it and so it would most of the time it would come out that he was wrong yeah and I was right and I and I would jokingly tell him I said you know why because I'm number one and you're number two <laughs> and so it got to a point where I would just hold up my number one <laughs> 
but his experience, he he just would laugh all the time. But it, can't you imagine, like you're saying yes. with God, you're saying that God. God's like, I I want the very best yeah. for you. I always want the best for the kingdom of God. I want to direct you in that. And you're like, yeah, but what if we did yeah, this? Yeah. You know, isn't that where the adventure is though? Yeah, when you really start surrendering, like it's, that's the adventure of faith. Like you want your life to be yeah. exciting. Yeah. You want it to mean something. You want it to fulfill some purpose. Yeah. That's where it happens in that that's in that it. place of. I'm God, whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. Like absolutely. whatever you want. Who wants to be the Jonah guy? Yeah. yeah. I don't want to be in the, yeah. the conflict of am I gonna get swallowed by a well? <laughs> I wanna be, you know, that that the apostle Paul after his conversion. Yes. I mean, even right at his conversion, Jesus said, I'm gonna show you what you must suffer. And he's like, Come on. Yeah, yeah Stephen. Yeah, Stephen. I mean, yeah, Stephen, yeah. who who was a deacon in the church, and and he, but he went over and above, and he's out preaching in the streets. Mm-hmm. Man, he's a table waiter in the church. He's yeah. a hospitality guy. That's what deacons were, and 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 he's taking care of people's needs. But he's going out in the streets preaching the gospel. Mm-hmm. Was killed and martyred because of total surrender. Yeah. And we like, and then now somebody just said, well, I definitely am not surrendering <laughs> that. But no, that's the adventure of life because it was, it was, it was Stephen yeah. who stead, stood there and was being stoned and looked up and saw Jesus standing at the right yes. hand of the Father. Yeah. Now that's very important yeah. because the Bible says that Jesus is our high priest. And there's one thing you know about the high priest. He never sat down, never. His work was never finished. Like the, in the Old Testament, when the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and he'd make sacrifice once a year, he, he would never sit down because perpetually those sins would just roll over. They weren't de- de- dealt with. They weren't destroyed. They weren't done away with. They were just rolled over. And we mm. made sacrifice to appease God. But what happened when Jesus, the reason he said it is finished as not only our sacrifice, but as our high priest, the Bible says he ascended to the father and sat down at yeah. the right hand of God, as if to say, it's, it's done. Yeah. Don't have to stand up, make sacrifice anymore. Yeah. It's done. But right after that, Stephen preaching the gospel, the Bible said he has a, they looked on him and his face looked like the face of an angel. And he looked up into heaven and Jesus was standing. Yeah. I I get, I get, I know thinking about, you, you know, he was standing, looking at him going, man, you did it. Yes. You did it. That's what I'm talking about. Eternal perspective. So at the end of every segment now, at the end of every uh, Bible study, we're going to do a little segment called A Provocative Point. And today, uh, we're going to talk about, I can't remember the name, so I'm not going to go into all that. It doesn't matter anyway. But we're going to talk about the congressman that prayed in the United States Congress, and he ended his prayer. There were a lot of things wrong with the prayer. It was... (laughs) trying to be inclusive he was <clears throat> invoking I, I believe he was a Methodist minister but he was invoking uh, Hindu gods and other kinds of things it was to me a Christian high, highly offensive but he ended the prayer with by saying a man and a woman and my I thought what, it may have been a wedding he was doing <laughs> what, uh, <laughs> What what he what he what it felt like to me is in he's a liberal person in his theology, and he uh, was trying to make his prayer equitable. I'm honoring men and I'm honoring women and so on and so forth. 
here's the problem with what happened as far as I can tell. My first problem with it, obviously, is spiritual because that's completely inappropriate. And my second problem with it is uh, is intellectual because it was one of the most unintelligent things I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And to have a leader at that level uh, praying th- that way was offensive to my intellect. Now, we all know why, because the word amen is it's a derivative of Greek and Hebrew and it, it and all it literally means is uh, so be it like someone prays a prayer or someone says something and then you would say amen because you're saying that's right may that come to pass mm-hmm. so be that and it has no place in a com- conversation with gender uh, now, why is this important? Why is it a big deal? Why did everybody get so up in arms about it? <clears throat> because we want to hold women back or because we want to put men forward or anything? No, because here's the problem with that. And it really is a problem. Um, when we begin as leaders on any level and in any context, when we begin to change m- the meaning of a thing, to put forth our agenda we are in the context of manipulation, control, domination over people's minds, over people's thinking. If I, because culture's built in the language. And if I use certain language to guide your mind or direct your mind in a specific direction that is based on my agenda, then I am manipulating you by changing the meanings of those words to mean something else. So to use the word amen to uh, an a woman and genderize mm-hmm. a word that is not even genderized. Uh, I am truly, truly trying to uh, manipulate you. And there's no place for manipulation in our government. There's no place for manipulation. And here's what it indicates. It indicates a very big problem. It indicates that we're reaping the harvest of a philosophy that was in seed form years ago called cultural and moral relativism. It's a, it's a hedonistic worldview, and it just basically says, I have my truth, you have your truth, there is no absolute truth. And then what you have and what that forces is a constant division and, and, and um, uh, mix up of whose truth is better, my truth or your truth. Yeah. And what that <laughs> is based on is this rebellion or independence of, I don't need God, I don't need accountability, I don't need anybody telling me, I want to live how I, I want to live, and as long as it doesn't hurt someone else, then I'm fine. But here's the problem. We are finding in our culture, as we reap the harvest of this seed that was planted many years ago, it is hurting everybody. It's hurting the way we think. It's hurting the unity of our country. It's hurting us morally. I woke up to a statistic yesterday morning that astounded me and shocked me, but already in 2021, internationally, there have been 1.1 million babies killed in the womb. Already in 2021. We're only what, how many days in? 13th or 14th day in? So 12 days in, internationally, there have been 1.1 million innocent deaths. 
Why? Because we have normalized a horrendous thing. And that happens as a result of us changing meaning. The Bible said in Isaiah that we would come to a time where men would call good things evil and evil things good. If we don't live in that day, I don't know what we live in. Any comments or thoughts on this provocative point? <laughs> I mean, maybe a few. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I'm so, t- I, you know, we can sit here and talk about this all day, but I'm so tired of everybody trying to be trendy and woke and all this yeah. bull malarkey, you yeah. know? And I think it's just influenced everything from politics to religion. Political correctness is what you're talking about. Yeah, and yeah. just staying up with the times, like just not being offensive or, and I think this, I believe he's Methodist. I believe this guy was just no, nothing. Against no, the, no. The, let, let me just say yeah. something. Nothing gets Methodist. We have great uh, oh, first sure. Methodist church, but the Methodist church at large, United Methodist church has gone through a major split in the last uh, year or last year because of this very thing. These, uh, these uh, tendencies towards not receiving the word of God as absolute truth and and treating it as if it's irrelevant, et cetera. Yeah. So he he literally quotes uh, the the pastor's blessing. I mean, we do it every week. Yeah. You know, may the Lord Number bless you six. and keep you. Yeah. Cause his face to shine upon you. All of that. He quotes that and then ends the prayer with amen and a woman as to normalize it and to set a precedent right there. Yeah. Which is... I mean, anybody that knows the word knows he stepped out of bounds and it was yeah. crazy. But for people that don't know yeah. and don't understand, mm-hmm. yeah. it's, it's really frightening and scary. And I'm thankful we're talking about it because it's not okay that people mix, like you said, their opinion and their trendiness to stay popular with the word of God. Right. This is always trendy. This is always the top of the list. Yeah, yeah political correctness. Right. Right. Yes. Right. Uh, <laughs> Political correctness has taken us to a place that, in my mind, is horrendous. Yeah. And and the reason is, is because it take you know, you, Sue, when I was growing up, politics was, you, you thought about it maybe four months before a major election, and then it went away after the election mm-hmm. happened. And you didn't, now, because of political correctness and because of the 24-hour news cycle and because yeah. journalism the way it is yeah. and because... because cl- a political having a political class that goes to Washington and never leaves. That's my opinion. What has happened is what has happened is it's politicized everything. Now yeah. every waking thought we have has a political component to it. Now here's the problem with that, and it's how we get into this this relativism that everything's relative and there's no absolute yeah. truth. It's because we don't make decisions based on right and wrong anymore. We base, make decisions right. based on political expediency. In other words, if this is going to favor me politically, that's my answer. Yeah. That is scary. I'm going to hold my finger up. Which way is the wind blowing? Yeah. That's the way I'm going. That's why you got po- politicians that seems like they're lying every time they open their mouth. Because 30 minutes ago, they were saying they're for this. And 30 minutes later, they're against it. And because we're not living by values. And it's not just in politics either. It's not no. just in, in politics in terms of government. It's in our culture. Yeah. So now, so now we've, we've, we've got ourselves to a place where we're not going to establish our life on absolute truths uh, and realities. So much so that now we're living in, in some ways not reality. 
like and accepting that as normal. Mm-hmm. Like when someone sees themselves other than what they are. And 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 and, and psychologists will tell you and I'm not just talking about transgender issues. I'm talking about any kind of issue like yeah. that. Like I'm identifying as this thing. You're not that thing. But no one's allowed to say you're not that thing. We got to go. Oh, love you. God bless you. Do what. Do your thing. Do your thing. And they're suffering with a psychological problem, not being fixed because we're being politically expedient. We got to give everybody permission to do whatever. And if you don't, you're a bad person. So that puts us in a position of if something's evil, we got to call it good, or we're yeah. bad. Right. So it's a very, for a lot of Christians, it's very confusing. And here's what, here's what a lot of people are doing. They're stepping back spiritually because they don't want to confront the discomfort of having to deal with that. And the answer isn't stepping back. The answer is stepping deeper in. Let's get deeper in the word. Let's get deeper in our thoughts and thinking about reality and faith and, and values and and the commands of God. And remember, yeah. If we talk about following God's path, that's, I mean, we talked about the, this whole podcast and you're not in this book and you're not praying. Yeah. You don't know the map. Yeah. You don't even know yeah. where to go. Yeah, yeah. If you've never been somewhere and you try to get there without the map, you're not going to get there. This is the map. Like Scotty, salvation is the very beginning. Yeah. It's yeah. the very beginning. Of so the exciting. And you know what I believe, guys? We, th- this has been a pro- provocative point, obviously, and I'm sure you have all kinds of ideas. And let me just say, this is not a forum for you to get crazy and be <laughs> ugly and mean-spirited. Because nothing we've said here has been mean-spirited. Nothing we've said here has been controversial. It's just fact. So here's what I want to say to you. We love everybody. And this is provocative, but we have to, as believers, begin to stick with the word, get yeah. in the word, study the word, walk out the word. Yeah. And this, to me, is an exciting time. Oh, I don't. Yeah. I, so I see a lot of believers that are going, "Oh my God, the world's falling apart," as if there was never a Sodom and Gomorrah, yeah. right? As if there was never yeah. a Roman Empire, mm-hmm. as if. As if there wasn't Adam and Eve in the garden who re- who walked in the cool of the day with God and still ate the apple. Yeah. Come on. Let's not act like sin is new. Yeah. That's right. Right. I think that this is a setup. This is an opportunity for the church to stand up and shine yeah. that light right. of love and grace and compassion to the world. Because all those seeking hearts are starting to open up going, what in the world is going on? Mm -hmm. What is happening? I'm scared. I'm afraid. I need some help. I need some hope. That's the time for the church to go, we got you. Jesus is your answer. We ain't backing up. This is the time to stand out. Not in a political way. Yes, vote. Yes, get involved in the process, whatever. But not in a, (laughs) we're fighting for, our kingdom is not of this world. That's right. That's right. That's right. Conversations mm. that you're having. Say that. Yes. Say that. I agree. It's good. Yourself. We can yeah. do it ourselves. Yeah. Because right. then our political I perspectives. Everything. Bias. We're all biased to some degree. Yeah. yeah. And and let's just let's just be honest here. Um, God didn't call us to argue. Right. No. God called us to share what we know. Right. And he said, always be ready to give an answer, not always yeah. be ready to argue. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but you know, pe- people right. don't. People, the issue I have had with a lot of this stuff too is when Christians jump on a bandwagon for something that they not even 
looked at, they've not researched. researched. I'm like, you know, what? if you, you would, meme. yeah, if you would pray, yeah, yeah, go to the Word, yeah, and think about it, yeah, yeah, dig in on it, yeah, before you ever opened your mouth or post anything on social media, you would really help yeah, yourself I a bunch. Say something's gonna make a lot of people mad right now. I'm taking a chance when I say this. Stop, stop, stop <laughs> listening to listen to me seriously. Church, come on. Stop listening to someone who's a prophet just because they called themselves That's right. a prophet. Big deal. You don't know them. You don't know their track record. Mm. You don't know anything about them, but you're just going to listen to it, take it hook, line, and sink. You, know <laughs> you know what that's an indication of? You're not in this. Yeah. yeah. It's, like, it's like listening to a doctor that plays one on television. Exactly. <laughs> Big deal. You put it, you look or like it. Or that, you're listening to like, you remember that, uh, what's that movie? It's about that real guy's life, Catch Me If You Can. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. And listen to a doctor that's pretending to be one. Yes, yeah. Listen, and I'm, I'm just going to be honest too. If people who are so passionately following so-called prophets that are speaking for God. Now listen, God takes this very seriously. Old Testament yes. and New. Yeah. The Bible says in the New Testament, Peter says, we're going to study it later in Second Peter. He says in the New Testament that just like there were false prophets in the Old Testament, there will be false teachers in the New. Yeah. And those false teachers who speak for God but are not really speaking for God, they're speaking out of their own bias. Yeah, They're not speaking for God. That the judgment for them is reserved is deepest, darkest judgment. That's what Peter says. Listen, don't mess around with saying you're saying God said something. Absolutely. He don't like it. Yeah. A lot of it is a P R O F I T. Yeah. P R O F I T. Come on. That's good. That's good. That's Tweet that right now. So here's the deal. Yeah, you're a prophet. No, yeah, I want to be serious though about this. Listen, here's the deal. I want these people who so passionately listen to these prophets when they get it wrong and they do not tell the truth. They don't ever come back and retract their book and send you your money back. They don't ever come back and apologize and say, we were wrong. We missed it. That wasn't God. That was us. We need to repent. They don't ever do that. And and even when they do, the apologies are almost more of a rationalization and justification why it didn't happen. It really was, but it's not and blah, blah, blah. I've heard so many of those. Here's what I want. You passionately, honestly, you pat. People are going to respond to this. You you passionately listened. You passionately took it, yeah. hook, line, and sinker. Yeah. Now passionately stand up and yeah. hold them accountable. Yes. Don't read their books anymore. No. Don't listen to their yeah. podcasts anymore. Don't follow after their ministry for their encouragement to you. You need to understand they lied on behalf of God. Do you remember that story when the 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 prophets would lie and say they were speaking for God and Jeremiah slapped them in the face? I mean, <laughs> they're near, I, 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 I'm at that point where I just want to start slapping people. You know, it's the Bible, man, it's in the Word. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, the truth is, we, we, we're a little bit off base when we start doing yeah. that stuff and we need to get back because we live in a confusing time. So don't pull oh, yeah. back because you're afraid to confront the confusion. Yeah. Lean in and so that you can confront the it's confusion. Good. It's good. And I would say, like, challenge your opinions every once in a while with the word. Get out of the echo chamber. But get please. out of the the places that make you always right. I agree. I mean, it'll it's going to kill people because... I mean, we're not right most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. And so. Yeah. If you're only listening to people who think exactly like you, you are not learning 
anything. What's the saying? If you're always the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong you're room. You're in the wrong room. That's right. That's exactly yeah. right. And usually you just think you're the smartest person. <laughs> yeah. The, sm- the smartest person in the room is not talking. There's, that's true. <laughs> so, all right. That's great. That's our provocative point for today. God bless you. <laughs>